0: It's the David L. Gray Show. I'm your host, David L. Gray. I'm cutting through the clutter to offer a fresh cap of perspective on what's current and relevant. Welcome to the David L Gray show. I am he whose name comes before the show. This is a reboot of the David L Gray show. We're in season 3 now. In every season, I've had a different theme. Season 1 was what I called a conversation on a spiritual life. Season 2 I focused on human sexuality and sexual purity. And now here in season 3, I'm talking about what does it mean to be a Christian of heroic virtue? What does that look like in the modern world? Along with that theme, I'll be doing a Bible study in exegesis on the Gospel of John, which I'm I'm looking forward to very much. John is my my favorite Gospel. We're going to do all 21 chapters. When I've concluded chapter 21, this season is over. Now, you can go back and listen to previous podcasts from previous seasons on my website, davidlgray.info. At the top, just click on Listen to podcasts and you'll be taken to all of the previous episodes. Um What's different this season most of all is that I'm off of blog talk radio now. For those who listen to the old podcast. Now I enjoyed blog talk radio. I think it offered a very good service at a very reasonable price. And it gave me exposure to an audience who may not have found me otherwise and It was also the best platform, I think, to take live calls and host calling guests. But the downside was the quality, the very low quality of the audio. So to upgrade quality of the product, and being that I won't be doing live interviews much this season, I'm doing this in-house now. Um, So please make sure you subscribe to my podcast on iTunes and on Google Play Music. And please be sure to rate my show there on those platforms and to share it with your friends. And, well, you know, share it with your enemies alike as well. So on today's show, I'm talking about all these anonymous Catholic bloggers criticizing the papacy and all the liberal bishops and anyone and everyone who isn't as orthodox as them. But we don't really know who them is, right? Because they don't tell us who they are. So I'm calling on these anonymous bloggers to come out of the shadows so they can best exemplify what it means to be courageous and to be a hero. Now one of the criteria modern popes um, used to examine whether a person is a saint or not. is going to be a canonized saint. One of the things they use to to, um, to determine that to whether somebody should be canonized or not is whether they have exemplified heroic virtue while they were living. Heroes are people who stand up, stand up against the bullcrap. Heroes are infectious; they are contagious; they are martyrs. In the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church, so says Tertullian. Heroes. Are leaders that people follow I like a lot of what these anonymous bloggers have to say I think they're they're doing a good service But they aren't heroes They aren't people we follow You know, the, the, the biggest problem in society today Is that we're short on real heroes Heroes have skin in the game these are character marks; they have something on the line. Their actions put them not in line for applause or accolades, but rather in line for persecution. Heroes are not those who get on social media and tell everyone that they're they're gay and then wait for likes and hearts and other rejoinders of electronic affirmation and validation No there's nothing brave. About giving into temptation There's nothing brave about needing Approval and acceptance There's nothing brave about Adding to the circus of chaos You know what a hero is? A hero is a person who sees the chaos Jumps in the midst of it Only so that He or she might bring peace Might bring the peace of God to that chaotic situation. Heroes say the hard things. That aren't popular. Heroes aren't looking for fame. Glory. Or a paycheck. For doing what they do. And heroes do not wear masks. Now, now I, I like Marvel comic. I might like DC Comics a little bit better. Especially the movies. Because Marvel... These Marvel movies tend to want to mix comedy with action. I'm not into that. When I go see a comedy, I go see a comedy. That's, that's, that's what I'm there for. When I when I want to see an action flick, I want to see an action flick. That, that's what I want to see. I wanna see action. I don't need comedy or romance in my action flick. I just don't. Marvel wants to be funny, right? it's sort of, it's sort of like putting chocolate on my fruit i i love ch- i like chocolate I like chocolate very much i like fruit don't like them together <laughs> I, I just don't I, I don't think they go together right it's just it's just it's not kosher okay these are two completely different things all right i i don't need fruits on my on my with my chocolate more than i need chocolate on my vegetables i don't i i don't need to mix these things okay don't no want chocolate with my protein, unless it's a protein shake. All right. So, so I like comic superheroes. I do. They wear masks usually. They have a double life, and always gets them into trouble. I like comic superheroes better who don't wear masks. I like those better. I like I like superheroes who the public knows who they are. Right, Jessica Jones, Iron Man. Not technically a superhero, right? More like super rich, super smart, super gadget guy Who people know who he is, right? Heroes that don't wear masks are accountable They're accountable for their actions right? You've seen this with the last Captain America Civil War Woman comes up to Iron Man And tells him Comes up to Stark She tells him That you killed my son i'm holding you responsible and he feels accountable for that he feels responsible now he makes a lot of bad decisions based upon that that woman's emotions but he's accountable true heroes are people who have skin in the game their actions cost them something heroes are people who sacrifice their lives People on masks, they don't have anything to sacrifice. They, 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 They just don't. They can wear a mask, do what they want to do, go back to their normal life, right? That's what these anonymous bloggers are. But you know what it costs? You know what it costs me? To have a blog, have a website with my name on it, a Facebook page with my name on it, a YouTube channel with my name on it, A Twitter account with my name on it. And I'm not really all that radical, well, at least not as as radical as I was a few years ago, right? But you know what it cost me? It means that when someone doesn't like what I said on my website, or they don't like a video that I posted on YouTube, they call my pastor. They call the parish. They call the rectory. Talk to the priest. True story. That's what it means. It means that. Of all the jobs I've ever interviewed for that have been in any way associated with the Catholic Church, in all of them, either on a first interview or the second, or somewhere down the line early on in the process of working there, I'm speaking about one job in particular, Colby Academy, where it wasn't mentioned on the first interview. But it came up, you know, later after one of the other teachers told administration about something I wrote. And I was called into a meeting. But in every interview, either my blog or my YouTube channel has come up. That's what it means to not be anonymous. It also means I don't get those jobs either. In every one of those jobs in which my blog or. My YouTube videos came up in the interview process. Never got any of those jobs. RCI director, RCI coordinator, high school theology teacher. Hell, if I applied to be a janitor at a Catholic church, I'm sure my blog will come up in the interview. I mean, if they're dumb enough not to Google me before they step the interview, right? You know what happens in the selection process. I mean, you know you know how this works. If you ever hired anyone or heck dated anyone or. <coughs> Or decided what you are going to eat today. If you ever made any decision in your life. What you do is you either talk yourself into hiring that person. Or dating that person. Or selecting that thing. Or you talk yourself out of it. Out of hiring that person. Out of dating that person. Out of having chocolate on your steak or not. I mean that's all it is. You either talk yourself into it or talk yourself out of it. And when you're like me, a critical blogger who doesn't wear a mask, who isn't afraid, who has some skin in the game, you don't get the job. Why? Because you're a risk. Because you don't talk nice. You don't carry the, the party banner. You don't say the status quo. right? You're a threat to the status quo. I mean, the jobs I, I, I haven't gotten an interview for Because I don't wear a mask, I mean, I don't, I don't even know those, but often do I think sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll I'll apply for a job um, related to somehow to the Catholic Church, um, you know, that day or the next day after, I'll see people searching for me on Google or Yahoo, and they come to my blog and they start searching around, go to my about me page, start clicking around, you know, it's the same IP address, I see it, don't get called for the job. Correlation? I mean, is there a correlation here between my blog, my YouTube videos coming up in these interview processes, and me not getting a job? Well, if it happens every time, it happens. Every, I mean, there, you don't have to be a physicist to screw in a light bulb to figure it out when not right. I mean, it's plain as day. The, these anonymous bloggers, I mean, while they say some valuable things, while they get to launch Molenkov cocktails, cocktail bombs with a mask on and not suffer the consequences, they're cowards. Now, now I get the benefits of, of being a deep throat blogger and the benefits of being anonymous to protect your sources, but you don't have to wear a mask to do those things either. You don't have to wear a mask to do that. I mean, you have plenty of people who don't wear masks who do those things. Come on, stop with excuses, come out the shadows. Man up. Woman up. I mean, say what you want to about Michael Voris. And I've been a critic about him in the past, about some of the things he's said. Which I think were just clickbait, right? Or sometimes he just goes too far in, right? You can see some of these articles on my on my website. But, but say what you want. But at least the guy doesn't wear a mask. <laughs> we know his name. We know where he lives, right? We know what he looks like. At least he's paid the price of being a pariah to the mainstream left leaning Catholic Church. Michael Voris might be wearing a toupee. But he's not wearing a mask. I mean Father Z may be hiding in Italy somewhere, but he's not wearing a mask. Louis at AK Catholic, another one. Another guy is Steve Skojak. Creator of One Peter five. He wrote writer and critic. He's writing about, at 1 Peter 5, the things that he thinks are very harmful poisons to the life of the church. And a lot of times, I agree with Steve. Other times, you know, sometimes I think he he may be reaching. But either way, the guy is courageous. We know his name. We know what he looks like. But, you know, I, I may be off here. You know, I may be wrong about this whole anonymous blogger thing. I don't think so, but I could be. So I want to call Steve up and ask him what he thinks about these mask-wearing, Mollinkoff, cocktail-throwing bloggers out here. Hey, Steve.
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: So I wanted to get your opinion on this issue that I'm doing a podcast about today. It's about anonymous bloggers. Have you... Have you thought much about this topic ever?
1: Well, I have thought about it, and in fact uh it, it came up recently when there was uh one of these anonymous Catholic bloggers. It was, it was fairly popular and very incendiary, and he was talking about you know just how we have to not be afraid to take the Gatling gun in our hands and you know fire on the enemy and all this stuff and I don't usually leave comments on other blogs uh just because I draw attention where I go, so I try to stay away from it. But mm-hmm. but I kind of just jumped in and I said, you know, it's really odd that you're talking about all this courage when you don't have the courage to blog in your own name. <laughs> and, you know, he immediately began rebutting about how there's this long tradition of you know doing anonymous writing, et cetera, et cetera, and it was unconvincing, and that's fine. But I do think that this is something that happens all the time on the Internet. People feel this, bravery that comes from hiding behind a keyboard and a screen and a pseudonym. And this has happened for a long time. I've been on the Internet now for 23 years. I got on for the first time in 1992. I was an early adopter. I was 15, 16 years old. Mm I actually had a certificate from my ISP saying I was one of the first 200 Internet users in my county. I mean, it was that at the time. Um, So I've been doing this a long time. and In the beginning, I used a pseudonym, but I was a kid. As I got older, I really thought that it made a difference to put my name on the things that I write. And there's a couple of reasons why that's good. First of all, it, it lends credibility to your ideas. You believe in them enough that you're willing to put your name on them. You say, "Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll sign this and I'll and I'll put it out there, and I will, you know, I'll stand by it." But I think that there's a, a subconscious thing that goes along with putting your name on what you write, and that is and accountability, and, and I will separate this from the first thing, because yes, putting your name on it is good in terms of being willing to stand by it, right. but the Internet never forgets. Uh, you can find things that I wrote when I was in my early 20s that were less prudent, perhaps, than than what I would write now. Um, mm-hmm. but, but there's that accountability of knowing there is no memory hole. The things that I write are things that I need to be sure I believe in. Mm-hmm. because somebody will always be able to dig that up and come back to me and say, when you said this, this was pretty controversial. Did you mean it? And, you know, so far I've been able to say yes on just about everything. There are a couple things I've changed my position <laughs> on, and I admit, yeah, you know what, I was mistaken. Right. Um, but that accountability is huge in terms of your integrity as a writer. You want to know that you know, you're putting your reputation on the line every time you say something, so you better darn well not just be throwing out clickbait. You better not just be lobbing Molotov cocktails for the sake of doing it, or what ends up happening is you become a caricature of yourself and then nobody takes you seriously. So. so that's what I think.
0: Steve, you're independent. You're not getting any funding or any support from the institutional church. So but what has been your experience with those who are reliant and dependent upon the institutional church as as being a voice for those who can't speak out out of fear of losing their job and means to take care of their family?
1: Well, I mean, one of the sort of inception points for One Peter Five was I was, I've I've been blogging on Catholic topics since 2003. Uh, Usually on my own website, I, I had a few different URLs over the years, I still have a personal website that's not updated all that much, com. But that was where I was writing at the beginning of this pontificate. And I had also been a columnist at a couple of places. I was a columnist for Crisis Magazine for a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was a, a, a blogger for Catholic Vote uh, for a while. And you know, when I was a Catholic Vote, I started seeing that I was getting a lot of traffic on on what I was writing, and I realized I was hitting topics that were touching nerves. But what happened is when the papacy started, uh, I immediately had a gut-level reaction to this papacy that said something is wrong. here. I didn't know who Francis was. I'd never heard of Cardinal Bergoglio. I'd never seen his face. Mm. He was a complete, like, blind date reveal when he walked out on the loggia. Mm. But there was something about him set my teeth on it and I don't know how to explain it there was just something at a spiritual level that I I was shocked and revolted by something about his comportment and and it's something I've tried to describe multiple times and is really it happened on a spiritual level I've talked to hundreds of other people who've had the same experience but something was going on I don't know what it was Hmm. the thing is is that I still tried to give him the benefit of the doubt and so you'll see if you go back and look to my first few pieces that I wrote for Catholic vote after that, that I was I was kind of trying to dance around the uneasiness that I felt and and looking for hopeful signs. But about six months into the papacy, I wrote an article about uh, on my personal website about look these are the problems he's saying these things. It's really irresponsible. I I see that you know he's changing doctrine without actually changing doctrine. You can do an end run around that. Mm-hmm. I kind of just let all of the concerns that I had been building for six months. I talked about my intuition, and I was roundly criticized <laughs> by other big Catholic bloggers for you know being willing to say that I had a gut reaction. But but what wound up happening at that point, and I'm not dodging your question, I'm actually coming back around to it. What happened at that point was, I started to get correspondence from people, uh, theologians at Catholic universities who were teaching, who had the doctrine, who had taken the oath of fidelity to the magisterium. Uh, people at Catholic uh, dioceses working at high levels in the chancery, you know, laymen usually working. I had one guy who was a director of communications for an archdiocese. I've had other people, you know, who work in the development offices, people who are fairly high level. Also, I've had people contact me from other Catholic publications, well-known publications, apologetics publications, things that, you know, have much, much bigger footprints than I've ever had or still do. Mm -hmm. And they all were saying, what you're talking about, I'm thinking about, and I can't say this, because if we do, we're going to upset our donors. If we do, we're going to upset all these relationships we have with the bishops, which we need in order to gain access to them for this, that, and the other thing. I mean, you know, various Catholic institutions have to work with the bishops in order to get things done. They just do. Right. Um, But if they're in the business of publishing, what they publish has to be sort of a, an, an eggshell dance, because if they upset the bishops, then they can't get the coalitions together they need to accomplish whatever their other goal is. Right. So, you know, and obviously, professors at Catholic universities, the mandatum, the, the, the ex cordiae Ecclesiae oath of fidelity, it comes from Rome, it comes from Pope John Paul II, and that encyclical. But the mandatum to teach the Catholic faith comes from their local bishop. Exactly. And the local bishop perceives that they are being critical toward the magisterium that they've taken an oath to preserve, they can lose their mandatum, and it doesn't matter if they're tenured, if they don't have the mandatum at an orthodox Catholic school, they're not allowed to teach. All right. So they're done. All right. So what I was finding was that I was getting a lot of these little secretive emails and Facebook messages and things from people that I never would have known shared my concern, <laughs> saying, keep going, keep doing it, keep saying it because we can't. And so for me, that was part of the, the thought process, the starting 1 Peter 5, because on, uh, on my personal website, I had begun sort of a, a litany of criticism, because I was seeing what was wrong, and I was identifying problems, and I've always been better at identifying problems and solutions than, than my <laughs>
0: point.
1: Uh, just who I am. I don't know why. I can see what's wrong, but don't ask me how to fix it. So so I realized, though, that what I was doing was inherently negative, and, and of course, I don't know if you're aware, but shortly after I started writing these things, every media outlet you could think of was contacting me. And the first one was the New York Times and NBC. And so I'm getting interviewed in these major outlets about, you know, here I am, and they're portraying me as this faithful Catholic who doesn't like the Pope. You know, which is for them a convenient message because anytime they can portray strife in the Catholic Church, they're going to do that. Correct. Right? Because it it works to their agenda of trying to tear it down. Exactly. But it was important to me to begin that discussion on a major level, and, and people don't know this, but I turned down at least three times, I think, as many interviews as I took wow. because I didn't want that to be – I mean, it's really easy. When, when you start getting all these outlets from around the world contacting you saying, we want your opinion, you have to be very careful because it can start to very much be about you. <laughs> and, and I didn't really want it to be about me. So I didn't go on CNN Live, and I didn't talk to the Swedish radio station, and I didn't talk to the people in Korea who contacted me. And it was literally coming from everywhere. Because wow. I thought, you know what, I got this out there. I don't want my stick to be the guy who's critical of Pope Francis. And I, at that time, kind of hoped that maybe I had said what needed to be said and it wasn't <laughs> going to get that much worse. It did. But when I started One Peter Five, the idea was, how about we take a little bit of a different direction and we focus on – what is it that the church has always believed in? What is it that it's always taught? And and how does that, if we understand it well, sort of serve to inoculate the faithful against the errors that are coming out of Rome today? <laughs> and, and so that was the idea was to take a more positive approach. Now, over the course of time, it, it wound up getting pulled back into that morass of we need to talk about the news because it's happening so frequently, so much, and Because so few outlets are actually talking about what's wrong with what's happening. In fact, they're making excuses for what's happening. Exactly. So that I, I feel an obligation to say, I need to present the other side of this story. Um, so you know, our mission is constantly being dragged away from uh, you know our mission statement, which is rebuilding Catholic culture and restoring Catholic tradition. Really, that's what it was about. But but here we are. We're the only one in the middle of the battlefield, and we've got one sword. So it's like okay.
0: <laughs> we do what gotta do. So we definitely appreciate what you're doing out here, Steve. And um and thank you for being the voice of the faithful. Thank you. And and doing it without a mask, by the way. <laughs> that was Steve Skojek, Franciscan University Studentville graduate, one Peter Five. Now I appreciate the fact that it may be hard to come out of shadows and take ownership of your words. Be accountable, responsible, and a hero. But it's time for the mask-wearing crusaders of the orthodoxy to step up and stop hiding behind your URLs. We need heroes. Not people wearing masks. Restore DC Catholicism. Eponymous Flower. Several anonymous bloggers there. Mundabor's blog. A blog for DC area Catholics, The Tenth Crusade, Creative Minority Report, in Archdiocese of Washington Catholic, St. Corbin's Bear, Ecom Spiritu Tutu, St. Louis Catholic, Manhound. I mean, just to name a few of you good Catholics. Just name a few, Anonymous, mask wearers in the shadows. Smoking a cigar, right? Again, you guys and gals are writing some awesome things. But it doesn't matter because you're not a good example of human character. I know some of you don't want... No, you say, right? That you don't want your name out there because you're claiming humility. And I want to make it about you. That you aren't looking for recognition or fame or notoriety. But, that, but that's an illogical error. <laughs> I mean, you're presupposing that you'll have recognition or notoriety. right? And you're forcing your own idea of humility on others. That may or may not be true. Now, for me, humility isn't being anonymous. Humility is being like Christ. It means being accountable for your words and actions. It means having a public ministry. Being anonymous is not humble. Christ was humble. And Christ was not anonymous. Everything about Jesus' ministry is public. There's no there's no <laughs> there's no anonymous miracle. Jesus just doesn't do he doesn't do a miracle and say, Oh no, it wasn't me. All right. He doesn't feed five thousand people and wears a mask doing it. I mean, there's there's nothing Christ-like about being anonymous. I mean, this is not the character of martyrs. It's not the character. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not dwelling in you right now to keep it a secret. <laughs> you know, hide things under a bushel. Let your light shine. Be salt. You you can't be salt and be anonymous. Come out. Step up be a hero get some skin in the game make a sacrifice for there is a blessing for those who are not afraid to proclaim their love for Christ in public even if you're persecuted for it even if you have something to lose even if you lose something stop being afraid I mean if it's true what you're saying stand by your words own up to them Get some skin in the game Sacrifice Put something up to lose I mean because if you don't I really don't have any reason to believe you Why should I believe someone Who doesn't Who's afraid to lose what they have Why, Why should I believe you Huh Tell me Why should I believe you If you're wearing a mask If you're hiding behind your little blog spot URL Why should I believe you you can't even post a picture of yourself. I don't even know if you're. Catholic. I don't even know if you're Catholic. You say you are. Some of your posts, you know, you're tearing down the Catholic Church. Sure, I have some problems with Pope Francis as well. Part of me can't wait for the next Pope as well. As much as I pray for Pope Francis every day, but I, I get it. He says some confusing things. Sometimes I post about him, but look at you. I mean, you're, you're criticizing. You're tearing down But I don't know who you are I don't even know if you're actually a Catholic I mean it's one thing if I do it It's one thing if if Steve does it It's one thing if Father Z does it Voris does it You know all these other people Who aren't afraid It's one thing if they do it (laughs) You can call our pairs You know we're Catholic but we don't know who you are. Now you can just be t- you can be a protestant and just tearing things down. Put a name on it. Put a face on it. Where's your diocese? Where's your, where's your, where's your parish? You know, the funny thing is that these the people who aren't anonymous. There's far more people who are anonymous being critical of the Catholic Church. Then there are people who are anonymous not being critical. These people these nice blogs I hear say nice sweet things. Everybody let's hug and get along. Most of those people are anonymous. Their blogs have their names, their picture is right up on top. The guys out here just doing apologetics, saying nothing prophetical. We know their name. But it's you who are being critical. Who are oftentimes saying good things. Necessary things. Repeating what other people are saying for the most part. But maybe throwing in your own spin every now and then. You're, you're the ones who are anonymous. And I, we don't know who you are. Come up. Come out. Step up. Step out. Be hero. Get some skin in the game. Make the sacrifice. Because again... There is a blessing for those who are not afraid to proclaim their love for Christ in public and be like Christ, have a public ministry, not wear a mask. This is the David O. Gray Show. Talk to you next time. Until then, blessings and shalom to you and to yours.